are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. My name is Josh. I serve as the lead pastor here at Refuge. I am really excited to be back with y'all. Last week, uh, we uh, had every intention of having church. Uh, but a huge majority of us, or a huge chunk of us, were in Abilene, Texas. No, yeah, shocker, no one's going to be cheered for that. Um, so we were in Abilene, Texas for a wedding, and then here at home, Sean had every intention of being here to preach and to hold our service, uh, and then it turned out that <laughs> Sean's family had COVID, and so he was having to quarantine, and uh, all of a sudden, we were like, oh, we're in a pickle, and so we weren't here last Sunday, and so I really miss you is what I'm getting at here, okay? I really miss you, and I'm glad to be back with you now. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to do something kind of twofold. First off, we're going to be concluding our time in the book of Ecclesiastes, a sermon series we had entitled Pursuit of the Wind. And if you have been here for any number of weeks of that, I hope it's been a blessing to you. It has, the way I've described it many times is that it's kind of been like a heavyweight title fight in the sense that, uh, you know, there are times where you come to church and like the sermons can be convicting or they kind of make you evaluate yourself a little bit and they make you think, oh man, this is, you know, what's going on in my heart or my mind. But, but with Ecclesiastes, it just often feels that that the author of Ecclesiastes, a person a titled Kohelet, we don't really know the true author of Ecclesiastes, but a person titled Kohelet just comes swinging for the dome every time. It's like a heavyweight title fight because it's just every punch can be a knockout blow. And so we've been in it, and because of that, it has been really, in my world and in my life, very helpful, very fruitful. Uh, it is a lot to shape how I view not just my life as a whole, but how I view like my day-to-day -day life, right? As we've walked through the book of Ecclesiastes, again, following this, this, this speaker, this wise person, this sage, Kohelet, kind of share with us uh, the wisdom of, of a word called hevel. Everybody with me say hevel, hevel. All right, that was pretty good. We're going to work on that by the time we get done, though. Um, this idea that, that certain things can be like a vapor, right? They seem to be substantive, but the moment you try to grasp them, they all of a sudden don't have any substance to them. And they all of a sudden just kind of, kind of just fade out of your hand like a vapor. And, and here's the thing. Over the course of this entire book, uh, Kohelet, the author, has really labeled several things hevel. He's this idea of, of a vapor that you think is going to meet a need, and all of a sudden it doesn't meet any type of need whatsoever. You're kind of sitting there, and you're like, well, that was pointless. I thought that was going to give me more security or more influence, or that was going to give me more uh, status, or that was going to make me cooler, or that was going to make me more accepted. And all of a sudden you realize that that has no real influence on you. That has no real satisfying element to it. And, and he's walked through a bunch of stuff like this, and it's been really challenging. It's been extremely challenging. Um, and yet, nonetheless, as we come to the conclusion here, there is one final bit of wisdom that Kohelet has for us that I think is going to bless us. Uh, because after everything we've walked through with this book and, and with this wise person, um, this last bit of wisdom kind of frames the whole message for us, I think, in a really good way. And so, as I usually tend to do or try to, I want to give you at least one kind of thesis statement, if you will, uh, uh, one idea that, that really, if you want to take home today, uh, and it would be this, if you could put that up on Misty, that remembering your creator gives substance to the hevel, 
right? Remembering your creator gives substance to the hevel. Again, substance to this vapor that seems to say, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to bring you meaning. But in the end, it never really does. But remembering the creator actually shapes uh, this hevel and brings life, brings meaning to it in a way that nothing else will. And so to do that, we're going to be in, in chapter 12, working through the first nine verses. But before we do that, uh, I think it's important to kind of kind of review what's happening here and to give you some context as we finish for this person, Kohelet. Over the past eight weeks, this is our eighth week here, um, we have been working through this idea of Hevel, of, of Ecclesiastes, the message of Ecclesiastes, of meaning and purpose in life and what actually should bring that to you and what really doesn't. And all the while, we've been studying the words of this person, Kohelet, this author of Ecclesiastes, and he's been sharing all these things with us. And at times, it's been really challenging because sometimes his words, they, one, they sometimes get mad confusing. And he's just like, there's a time to throw stones and there's time to gather stones. And you're like, I don't know what that means, fam. But there's also this tone to it that's really difficult, right? Because this tone oftentimes has this very pessimistic, this very, um, he, he's very cynical and seems a little bitter and it seems a little dark. And for a lot of us, we've wrestled with that because hearing these words in scripture is sometimes really challenging. We see the Bible as this book of hope and this book of joy and this book that leads us to the one that provides these things. In fact, several parts of scripture say he provides these things even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of difficulty, and yet we return to these words week in and week out for the past, this is the eighth week, and we see this individual, Kohelet, be so cynical and dark and, and really kind of angry, and he fills everything with just this, right? It kind of just makes me go, oh my gosh. Here's the thing. Kohelet, Kohelet is not the model for Ecclesiastes, but Kohelet's wisdom is the model for Ecclesiastes. What do I mean by that? Let, let's take a look at something. The verses that we're going to work through for a huge chunk are, are the first nine verses of chapter 12. But at the, at the ninth verse of chapter 12, something, something cool happens. In the ninth verse, you see this. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, that word teacher is the Christian Standard Bible's translation of Kohelet. Uh, number nine again, or verse nine, in addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like cattle prods, and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd." Here's the thing. It's really weird. Can you go back to verse 9 uh, on this one, Missy? It's really weird because all this time we've been talking about Kohelet, and then in verse 9 something weird happens. It says, in addition to, in addition, the teacher, uh, in addition to the teacher being a wise man, all of a sudden it starts talking about Kohelet as a third person, as in it's no longer Kohelet talking. And here's the thing. I want you to go back to the very beginning of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, at the very top, eight weeks ago in this very building, at this very time, and in verse 1, chapter 1, we read the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. And then the next verse, verse 2, starts with a quotation mark. This whole time in Ecclesiastes, again, we, we see the same thing happen as what I'm getting at, is, is verse 9 in chapter 12. This whole time in Ecclesiastes has actually been like a seminar. And, and this... This 
host, this MC that we find in chapter one of verse, or verse one, chapter one, and, and this MC that we find in chapter uh, 12, verse nine, is the person that's inviting us to behold the wisdom of this teacher, this Kohelet. And so the whole book isn't actually just Kohelet talking as though it's Kohelet speaking from the place of what is godly, but rather an MC, a host, inviting us into a seminar and saying, I'm going I'm to introduce you to somebody. And it's a person that's been a lot of different places. It's a person that's seen a lot of different things. He's lived the life that you probably shouldn't live, but through that he's learned some things that would have only been learned through that life. And I want him to come up and I want him to share what he's learned. And then starts the rest of the book up until chapter 12, verse 8. What does that mean? It means that, friend, Kohelet, the tone and life and attitude of Kohelet is not the goal of Ecclesiastes. God doesn't want you to leave this place having read through Ecclesiastes thinking, I hope that you're cynical. I hope that you're bitter. I hope that you look at life and think nothing good can ever happen. All this is just futile. Nothing here is good. I've seen it all. I've done it all. It embitters you. It makes you angry. It makes you sad. It makes you disappointed. It hurts. Nothing is worth pursuing. Everything under the sun, everything in, on the earth, everything in creation, none of it actually satisfies. I hope you don't leave thinking that's the way you should live. Because again, Kohelet's not the person that the MC, the, the host of the book wants you to see. He doesn't want you to see Kohelet and think, now that's how I should live, right? Kohelet's not that inspiring of a figure. Rather, what he wants to bring front and center is this wisdom that Kohelet brings. This wisdom to say, look, I've seen so much in my life. I've seen the hardest moments. I've seen the easiest moments. And as he works through all these themes and all these subjects and all these topics, he wants you to see the wisdom that Kohelet has taken away from his, his engagement, from his involvement with each one. And so that's what every week has been about. Every week has been about that idea. It's been about the fact that, that if you gave yourself to everything in the world that possibly came and said, I can bring you life. If you gave yourself to everything in creation that possibly said, I'll make you happy. Everything in creation, everything under the sun that would come and say, man, I, I can actually fulfill you, right? Then, then you would turn into a cynical, dark, angry, bitter person. Because at the end of it, you would have looked at everything and said, none of it works. And you would have been as empty as you were when you started the journey. That's, that's the story of this person. So that's why every week when we've worked through these, these themes, right, we started the first week of introducing this idea, everything is going to end up being like a vapor. Everything is going to kind of feel like something that says, hey, I, I will meet your needs. I will make you happy. I will bring you joy. I can bring you peace. And everything is going to end up being this vapor, this hevel, right? Every, that, that's the word he uses for futility, by the way. So when, when in Ecclesiastes you read futility or you read meaningless, it's the word hevel that's implanted. That's the original word there. And so that's why he's saying everything is going to be futile. And then every week we've seen this insane progression where he's like money is going to be meaningless in the end. Why? Because it's going to act like it can bring you a sense of security and meaning. And then all of a sudden you get it and you, you, you hold it for a second, then you pay your bills. And then when you die, it goes away. And then the next person after you may not spend it wisely and then it's gone anyway. And then it's like, that's, that's not what I wanted to hear, right? <laughs> like all he talked about, in, we talked about influence here, right? This idea of having freedom or justice and, and explaining how when we think one has control over an oppressed person and they are the oppressor, right? And, and I think this was in chapter seven, they, there feels like a sense of security in it. But, but 
Kohelet draws out that neither of them have peace. They, they think they have security. They think they have power and influence. But at the end, they don't really have anything of meaning because they, they lack the peace that they actually desire. We, we've, we've talked about uh, the idea of time and how time takes and gives uh, across the span of our lifetime. And so we don't actually get to hold on to anything and truly enjoy it because God in his infinite wisdom has made time this ultimate idol stomper that, that gives and then takes away. We talked about death last week on the video sermon that Sean gave. And, and the week before that, we talked about how wisdom was not profitable. And here's the thing. Over the course of all those weeks, it can become really challenging because you can start to feel like Kohelet Ecclesiastes is starting to pin you in. It's starting to pin you in to where everything that you think to yourself, man, this will make me happy. Homeboy just keeps running in and being like, no, it's not. Right? He's just like this weird, evil character that every time we want to enjoy something in our life, he just pops up and he's like, that's Hevel. Right? It's, oh, my gosh, I wish this guy would stop. Right? And here's the thing. That's probably a little bit of the point, though, friends. A little bit of the point is this idea that everything under the sun, everything in creation, right? This is, this is the language that Ecclesiastes has used. Everything you pursue will feel meaningless in the end. If, if it alone is what you're trying to bring joy to your life out of, if it alone is what you're trying to find meaning in, if it alone is what you're trying to find joy in. And so he's listing off all these things. He wants you to see money. He wants you to see time. He wants you to see wisdom. He wants you to see acceptance. He wants you to see friends. He wants you to, to see kind of everything and say like, man, can this actually provide anything for me? And the answer at the end for Kohelet is, if that's what you're depending on, I hope that you're ready. Because when you get to the end of your life, you may be finding yourself writing a cynical, angry, bitter lecture to anyone that's willing to hear it. So what's left? So what's left? Because I teed y'all up for a lot of sorrow right now. <laughs> but I don't think that's where it stops, right? And here's the thing. Chapter 12 affirms that that's not where it stops. Because having listed out everything that's going to bring sorrow, having listed out <coughs> everything that's going to be hevel, having listed out everything that's going to be dissatisfying, everything that's going to let you down, everything that's going to be disappointing, Kohelet finally brings one last piece of wisdom in chapter 12. One last piece of wisdom that seeks to rectify the 11 previous chapters filled with this sense of like, man, I've given you a little bit of an insight into my journey, and, and here's where it's left me. Uh, a cold, cynical, angry lecture. Um, and it's this. So that idea of in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 1, if you could put that up, Misty. So as in like a transition into the final argument he's going to make after after 11 chapters of just being sad and angry. So, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come. That's the final piece of wisdom Kohelet has for you. After a lifetime of pursuing every end, of having every means to pursue everything you've ever thought, this will bring me, insert your need. 
after having the ability to pursue everything that you've ever cro- that's ever crossed your mind as something that will bring joy, as something that will be lasting. Maybe for you it's a relationship. Maybe for you it's a spouse. Maybe for you it's a job. Maybe for you it's a security. Maybe for you it's some type of, of idealized scenario of your life where all of the bad things that have happened recently are gone and all the good things are here to stay. All of it, all of it, all of it. Right, every single one of those things will have been hevel, but there's, there's a way that, is, that curves this, and that's to remember your creator. He had, the, he had the ability to pursue all of these things, every single one of them, to be in the perfect scenarios, the perfect life, the perfect school, the perfect um, job, the perfect house, the perfect car, the perfect spouse. I'm, if, if you believe it was Solomon, he had several spouses, and maybe they made a collective perfect one. I don't know what his story was there, but... But he had, the, he had the ability to pursue it all at the end. He says, it's all, it's all heaven. It's all this vapor. But remember your creator. Remember your creator. Right? Why? Because it's only in seeing the creator in the midst of these things that those things have meaning. It's only in finding the creator in those everyday parts of life that, that your life will develop meaning and purpose. It's only remembering this God and his love and his story and his impact in your life that the things that you pursue actually develop meaning, friend. And Kohelet knows this after a lifetime of pursuing everything else. And he knows, I I want you to remember your creator. Remember your creator. And and the following eight verses are actually all verses that talk about all the different things that will come. All the different things that can come. And there's a lot of poetic language and it's a little hard to understand. But at the end, it points to this idea, man, remember your creator while you can. Because if you spend a lifetime pursuing these things, you will find yourself on the other side very disappointed. But if you can remember your creator where you are today, you could remember your creator where you are right now. He'll bring meaning. He'll bring purpose. He'll bring value that nothing else will be able to. So, remember your creator before the days of adversity come. Now you may be asking yourself, what does that look like? And I have just two ways I wanna invite you to do it this morning. I think that there's a lot of ways you can do this. We've talked about several of them through this sermon series. And so if you really want some kind of good practical ideas of what's, what's remembering your creator in the midst of Uh, your work and your life looks like, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the other sermons from this series. But today, there's two ways I want to encourage you to remember your creator. The first one is I want you to remember God, that is your creator, to remember God through your story. Here's the thing. Friends, it is easy to sit in here and to come to church and to make this a part of your routine and to act as though your life is normal because you come to church and maybe you serve and you do an incredible job doing that. Um, maybe you, you pray for people when you can, uh, all that is great. But it is easy to think that this is a normal thing to just come in here and to sit here and listen to this dude talk and to open the Bible and, and to like be at a small group. You think it's normal, but here's the thing, friend. I want to remind you, that's not normal. That's not a normal thing. I want you to just paint a picture of the people that you know. Paint a mental map. Uh, a neighborhood of the imagination, if you will, with all the people that are close to you, with maybe your coworkers and maybe your friends, 
maybe the people that you love. And I want you to ask yourself, what motivates them in life? What brings passion to them? I promise you, especially if it's the people you grew up with that you're painting this map with, it's hard to find someone that looks and says, and I love God. I love God enough to sacrifice for him. I love God enough to give myself to him. I love God enough to be at church every Sunday. I love God enough to spend some time praying to him. I love God enough to open my Bible and to try and see what he wants to tell me through this book. I love God enough in order to join myself to other people and to say, this is my brother or my sister and I'm gonna use them and I'm gonna build a life with these people that is gonna be centered on this person to help me learn more about this God and to show me more of how much he loves. And friend, can I tell you why that's rare? Because it takes, being, it takes interacting with God to have had that. It takes having interacted with God to have that. Can I be honest with you? If you're sitting here today, it's probably because at some point in your story, somebody shared the message that Jesus loved you. He loved you enough to take a cross for you, whether that was to cover your guilt, whether that was to cover your shame, or whether that was to cover your oppression or your marginalization or your, your sorrows, but whatever the story is, that it was to cover something for you, that he loved you, that he entered into your story for you, and that now today, because of whatever happened in that moment, the Spirit of God entered into your heart and began to change your perspective and began to change the way you see things. And all of a sudden, the person that you were, where you were like, man, Sunday mornings are for brunch and $15 avocado toast, was now like, you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to shower. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to come to a place, a church. I'm going to gather with other people. We're going to sing songs about this God. And then I'm going to sit down. I'm going to open the Bible with this dude up front. And we're going to learn about God. That's not normal. But you're here. But you're here. You, sitting in that chair, are here. You could be coherent, off running, trying to find every means of life that could make you happy. And instead, you're, you're here hearing about how nothing besides God will make you happy. Think about the radical difference between those two places. Friend, you're here because he saw you and because he knows you and because he loves you and because he desires to keep loving you and to sustain you through whatever will come into the new world that he's creating that's gonna be perfect, that's not gonna have any more of the guilt, that's not gonna have any more of the pain, that's not gonna have any more of the sorrow, that's not gonna have any more uh, of, of the, the, the struggles, that's not gonna have any more, but that will be marked by his goodness and his hope that he shared with the world on that beautiful day when, when the resurrection took place and death was defeated. He has you today in his fold, in his family for that purpose. Friend, your story is a great way to remember your creator. You just got to remember your story is a part of his story, right? Like he, he loves you. He's, he's called you. He's, he's won you. He's, he's wooed you. I mean, he's, he's literally come here and said like, man, I, I want to show you the depths of my love through my son dying for you. And your response was, yeah, I want to know more about that. And maybe it's been a slow thing. Maybe for you it was like I learned about that when I was six, but I've gradually come to the place where today I'm looking at this God and I'm learning and pressing more and more to knowing what that means. And that's beautiful, friend. That means your journey will increasingly be one that's marked by learning more and more about how this God loves you. What an incredible journey you're on.
Maybe your journey is like mine. Maybe your journey is like Mike's, where it's like, I was a wild boy before this, and there was a very Kohelet-like trajectory, and then God was like, you're mine. And what a wonderful story you're on, friend, that God would interact with you and intercede and just interject himself into your life. If you're one of these two or anything in between, what an incredible love story that the creator of everything looked at his creation and instead of letting us pursue a life that could have been filled with bitterness like Kohelet is now marked by a, a consistent invitation to know the depths of his love for you. What an incredible journey you're on. So remember your story. Remember God in your story. But hear me, don't stop there. Because that's an incredible way to remember God. But here's the thing. If that's the only way you remember God, you have the temptation. There, there's a possibility that you'll end up being kind of one of these just like spiritually portly individuals that kind of just like really, if you know what portly means, it's the, the most polite way to be like this spiritually fat person that just sits at home and is like, man, my devotional life is crazy, dude. Like my prayer life is absolutely wild. I, I am the best Christian I've ever known in my life. And yet, if that doesn't get poured in in order to be poured out, then there's something wrong, and, and you'll end up becoming like any, any person of, of, uh, of physical stature, right? Any person that's a little husky, the joints will start to wear, and, and there'll be a bit of a, a slowing down process. Why? Because you're not taking what God has done in your story and, and seeing where now you fit in his story. So here's the next way I want to encourage you to remember remember God, is to remember God through his story. Meaning, your story is beautiful, but your story was made beautiful because it's a part of a bigger story of God redeeming all things, of God redeeming everything. It's a story that humanity is plunged into because of our role in it, of introducing sin into God's perfect creation on in earth, but, but at the same time, it's, it's one that we're linked to because we are a part of this broader creation. Right, that when we look at the world, we recognize there are things that are hurtful, there are things in my job, there are things in my family, there are things in, in my personal life, there are things in my mental health, there are things in my emotional health that are just broken, there are things that are hurting, there are things that are dark. Man, friend, don't lose sight of the fact that God has a story for that creation. That God did not come just to save you so that you could have this space where you go, man, I love God. And he loves me, and I get to walk around all day and, and kind of experience this. But he has a plan for the entirety of creation, that he is redeeming the whole of creation right now as we speak. And that the, the person of Jesus entered into that story, not just so that he could save you, but so that he could save you into a group of people, a collection of people that are marked by his grace and are marked by his love. And that this group, this people that are, that are now called Christians, but, are, but have been called several things, over the course of, of time that have been called the household of God, the, the church at Corinth, Refuge Community Church, all the different ways and different things we've been called, that body marked by that love, marked by that redeeming story has now been mobilized to take that story out and to say, now we're gonna keep marching this redemption into the world. We're gonna keep marching it into the world. And with every bit of darkness that, that thinks it can claim more space, we will declare and herald the good news of Jesus, that uh, the light that darkness can overcome to overcome darkness because we're a part of a bigger story. A story that has a beginning, but a story that has an end. And the end is not up in the air. The end has been marked in blood and flesh 
by Jesus to declare forever and ever, I will be victorious. You may have trouble in this world, but I've overcome the world, right? This idea that we are a part of a story of redemption. Friend, you are a part of a story of redemption that God is inviting you to learn, to know, to be a part of, to advance, to continue. But you got to participate in it, friend. You got to participate in it. It's hard to remember God through his story when we think his story is limited to our story. I want you to hear what I said again. It's hard to remember God through his story when we think his story is limited to our story. But the moment you start seeing how his story, his story of redemption is far greater than just your life, but that your life is a, is a beautiful part of a, a mosaic of different lives changed and healed and, and, and just redeemed, that you begin to say, man, there's, there's something to this life. There's something to this creation. There's something to what we're doing here. How many of you are here? How many of you are finding that story? Hear me, if you're not, that's okay. I'm not telling you that this isn't a requirement for salvation or anything. I, I, when I got saved, I thought I had to evangelize 25 people a day to be a good Christian. That probably made me a worse Christian. <laughs> that probably made me a worse Christian. Why? Because I went out there and thought what I did dictated God's affection, acceptance, love for me. That's not what we're saying with this. Rather, a way to remember God and his heart is to plug into what he's doing in the world, friend. When you do that, you begin to see that what he's doing in your life, when he's guiding you through maybe your difficult situations here in a first world country, in a job where you make enough money to live, is, is beautiful and it, and it is on par and also beautiful alongside of the story of the person that lives in a village with nothing but looks and says, but there's a day coming. There's a day coming where the pain will be no more and the tears will be no more and the hunger will be no more. And you can sit there and say, man, we may not look the same, but God's doing something. And it's in those moments that the idea of being God's hands and feet tends to take on a little different character. Because you begin to go, well, maybe I can give something to help that person. And all of a sudden, that, that vision of, of Acts chapter 2, where all of a sudden God's people were looking at each other and being like, we're just going to share everything. Uh, and we're going to like take care of each other. And we're going to make sure everyone has what they need. can start to take on like flesh and bones. Why? Because we're seeing God's story and we're finding ourselves in it. And he's glorifying himself through that in you by enjoying one another, by by enjoying the story of redemption, by taking part in the story of redemption. Remember God through his story, friend. And here's the thing, right now you may be like, <laughs> I don't even know how to do that, right? You may be like, I'm so lost on what it means. I like enjoying God in my story, remembering him, but I don't know what enjoying God through remembering his story looks like. That's why we're here, right? That's why, that's why our church exists, not just to invite you into knowing God, but also to invite you into the mission of God. And so today, we have made mention in an email this week that today was going to kind of be the start of our uh, fall kind of work campaign. Uh, for those of you that are new here, we kind of have a, a, a season-based church life where during the spring, we focus more on growth, spiritual foundations, uh, growing in different areas like classes, that type of deal. In the summer, because I know y'all all finna go to the beach, hopefully you went to a better beach than a Texas beach, but you're all gonna go on vacation anyway. And so consequently, we just focus on letting people rest and, and kind of giving you that space. And then we head into the fall, we head into a time where we work, where we put our hand to the plow and say, God, bless the labor of our hands so that your mission, 
your calls can be advanced. And so today, that season's kind of officially starting. It low-key kind of started yesterday when we did our door hangers, but if you missed that, just get to the next one. Uh, so it's starting up this Sunday. So this Sunday, we're heading into uh, what we're calling, kind of this is like a little branding that we did, but it's not need to be called Cultivate Community. But you're going to be having uh, one of these um, magnets that you're going to have. Uh, we're going to give them to you next week. Here's the thing. We made a bunch of them. <laughs> But we uh, miscommunicated with the printing company, so the whole first row is completely wrong. So uh, if you're like, I completely missed back to school. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. That's, that hadn't happened yet. But um, friends, this is, this is, we're giving you an invitation into finding your story in his story by saying, hey, remember God, as you go and pursue his story here in this community, right here, you don't need to go to a third world country. You don't need to be a missionary in order to find God's story. You probably just need to go outside and knock on a door. Let me be 100% honest with you. You probably just need to find someone that says, we're having a hard time. And the moment you interject yourself into that story and you invite people to know what it means to be seen by God, to be loved by God, all of a sudden you're in a story that's testifying not just of God's beauty and goodness to the person you're praying for, but is oftentimes testifying of God's goodness and beauty to your own heart and mind. And so, friend, we want to invite you into doing this with us. Some of you are already looking at this, and you see 12 different dates over the course of the fall, and you're like, let's go. I've been ready for this. Y'all are probably the same ones that sent me emails when summer started, and I was like, we're all going to take a break. And you were like, no, nah, fam, that's not okay. You're probably the same group that was doing that. But hear me. And then, if that's you, praise God. I hope you enjoy this next season. I hope that you are at every single one of these things. And we do ask that is, if you call this home and you want to be a part of the mission of reaching this community, that you would take this, this magnet that you're going to get that's going to look like this, but dates are going to be adjusted, and you put it on your refrigerator, and you're like, yo, I'm going to be at these things. We ask that you would do that. But hear me, I know that there's also another group in here that's probably looking at these 12 circles with dates and little names on top of them and thinking of all the reasons you can't be here. I know that person exists in here, probably multiple of you, to be 100% honest. Friend, I want to encourage you. Right now, maybe you have several reasons. There may be reasons like, man, I already have a really busy life. I'm pursuing a lot of different things. I, I want to encourage you. Those things can be beautiful and they can be good. I'm not saying they're not. I don't know your situations that thoroughly. Make sure it's not Hevel. That's all I want to tell you. Make sure it's not Hevel. Make sure it's not a vapor that tells you it's going to be meaningful, and then it's not. The second group, maybe just, just some of y'all in here that's looking at this page, and you're like, that seems like a lot of work. Uh, friend, it probably is going to be, uh, and I want you to know that. But, man, what more powerful of a way to know, hey, God is with me as I'm taking his mission on myself through the context of this local church. And I'm going to put my hand to the plow, and I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to meet a new friend or if I'm going to, like, knock on a door and somebody's going to be like, go to H-E double hockey sticks and slam that mug in my face. I don't know which one it's going to be. But I know that I'm following the one who brings meaning to all things. I'm following the one that brings meaning to all things. I'm following the one that brings meaning to heaven, that brings meaning to vapor, that looks at every part of my life and says, hey, if you're following my story and you're finding your story in my story, I promise you the meaning will be there. I promise you what seems like an egregious, scary event, like someone slamming the door in your face, will actually be filled with meaning because you'll think to yourself, man, that person could probably really use what we're saying. 
I'm going to come back next week. That's the kind of crazy stuff I'll be thinking. You don't need to think like that. But some of y'all got to see it yesterday where you came back after passing out some door hangers and you were like, man, I got to meet this person. And they said, I've received a lot of hate. Or they said, uh, man, I got a lot of kids that need help in my family. And, and they said, man, this sounds good. I, I, I wouldn't mind being there. Right? To feel like what better way could your Saturday morning have been used than that? I promise you, friend, we're doing this not as a church just so that we can grow as a church. That's not our mission. Our mission statement don't say Refuge Church exists so we could grow to X, Y, and Z number of people. We exist to see people reconciled to their creator, to remember their creator, to be redeemed and restored. And here's our plan over the course of this fall to do it. Our invitation to you today, my invitation to you today is join us in that. Join us in that. Remember God through finding your story and his story and, and help advance the mission of what God is doing in the world to bring redemption and restoration and healing and hope. I want you to be a part of that because I promise you when you start seeing that happen in other people's lives, it will constantly remind you of how he's doing it in yours. Does that sound good? All right. We're a little less, look, I, I, I'm not going to keep pressing y'all for, for, uh, for class participation today, but uh, next week we'll have a magnet that you can take home. Looks I, uh, I'm not sure when that died, but hopefully y'all heard everything I said. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time today. We pray that uh, you, we place this time in your hands, that what we're saying here, what we're sharing here today, uh, that the, the wisdom Kohelet has for us, that in the end, after a life of pursuits and things that we think are going to bring us life, things that we think are going to bring us some type of meaning, things we think are going to meet our needs, don't. The invitation at the end of that life is still remember your creator. That even if there's someone in here that has spent the past 15, 20, five days, 30 years pursuing all of these vapors that are not going to be meaningful, that are never going to leave us satisfied, that even if that's been our life, if that's the main thing that marks our life, at the end of the day, the joy of it is that we still were invited, remember your creator. That those things don't define how you see us. They don't define how much we're loved by you. They don't define our lives, but rather the invitation, remember your creator is what defines us, that we would find you in our story, remember what you've done in our life to bring life to us, to bring hope to us, and that likewise we would find our story in your story, the grand story of redemption that we are now invited to participate in. Father, don't let us sleep on that, but rather let us know that the invitation to pursue your mission on earth is an invitation that brings meaning to our lives, it brings the purpose that we seek, and so help us remember you uh, in, in every way that we can. Help us find you in, in the, the smallest parts of our lives, but also in the biggest adventures of our lives, ultimately bringing meaning to the fullness of our lives in a way that only you can. And so we love you, we thank you, we place this time in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 